Amen. For uh, the good singing this morning, and uh, if you uh, have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through uh, 28 uh, this morning. And so Jesus uh, here has been already done a lot in these uh, first uh, chapter and a half that we've looked at. There's been a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and in these, uh, the last half of this chapter, there's a lot more going on. Uh, and sometimes you probably have, hopefully it's not been from me, uh, but probably somebody you've heard trying to tell you a story or trying to tell you something, and you want, what on earth is he talking about? What, why is he telling me this? Why, why, what am I supposed to get out of all of this? And sometimes, and it was certain, we never get to the point. But thankfully, uh, with the Gospels, they always get to the point. Uh, we don't always get the point right away, but... Hopefully we eventually get there and we understand that's the wonderful thing about God's Word uh, is that God has revealed Himself to us uh, through His Word. He's made it where we're able to understand it. Uh, Now there are a few parts that are kind of questionable, make us scratch our heads and say, what on earth? But most of it is very plain. Our problem is, is not that we don't understand it. It's we don't do it. And most of the time, when we, as, especially as Christians, we don't do what we know we're supposed to. It's not because we don't know what we're supposed to do. We just don't do it. And when we're not doing and listening to what God is telling us, we're not going to see His blessings, and we're not going to see His work in our life and in our church and our world. But He promises that when we draw near to Him... What does he say? What does he promise in his word? He says, if you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And it's not that God has moved. If you're not as near to God today as you once were, it's not God that's moved. It's you that's moved. But here's the thing, and how loving and gracious God is, that no matter how far we've wandered off course, if we call out to him and say, save me, redeem me, He reaches out and brings us back to Him. We take that first step of faith and He brings us the rest of the way. And I'm sure glad He does and continues to do. Uh, Let's be honest, all of us have times in our life where we get off course. God doesn't give up on us when we get off course, does He? He will send his spirit and his word and a whisper. But if we don't listen to the whisper and the nudgings and the direction of the spirit, God, a lot of times, he's going to show up with a two-by-four and he's going to wallop up upside the head and say, hey, I've been trying to tell you this. It's about time you listen. And so let's take a look, see what God has to say to us today in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. It says, Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. 
As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. And then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth to an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old. And the tear is made even worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now it happened that as he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, as they went, uh, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, Why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the day of Abathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests. And he also gave some of those to who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. What on earth? It's very likely that these three events did not occur right after one another. Uh, Rather, Mark sewed them together and put them where he put them uh, because he was trying to make a point. Um, he wanted us to realize something. And I think the point that he was trying to make and the reason he sewed these three incidents together was because he had one point that he wanted to make. And what he wanted us to understand is that God loves us and God will use us. God wants to speak to us Uh, And I think there's some important truths that we do with that. And the first and the thing that overarches all of these things that we find in these 16 verses and all the things that we find really throughout the Scriptures, but especially in Mark, is this first point. And the thing that Jesus really wants us to get out of this. What does it all mean? 
Well, the point of everything that Mark has said from Mark 1.1 up to the end of chapter 2 is this. Jesus is Lord. Mark wanted to begin his gospel by coming to the important realization Jesus was the Son of God. That He was the Messiah, the one that the Old Testament had prophesied, that God said He was going to send a Redeemer. And remember, we've talked several times, we had Christmas just a few months ago, and we read all those Old Testament prophecies, uh, the great stories from uh, Isaiah 7, 14 and uh, Isaiah 9, 2, Uh, where God says hundreds of years before Jesus would come, uh, some of the work that he would do. And how through the prophet Micah, he said where he would be born. Jesus fulfills hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament about the Messiah. Which, if you think about it logically... There's only one conclusion you can come to. Jesus is the Lord. He is the one that God sent to redeem us and to draw us to him. In fact, Jesus says that that's what his mission is. He said, listen, I've not come to call uh, the church, those that follow me, those that are healthy, but I've called sinners to repentance. You know what? Uh, People that are well don't need a doctor. But those that are sick surely do. But here's the point. All of us are sick. All of us have this disease of sin that is destroying our world and destroying us. Because that's what sin does. And that's the only thing it can do. Though it promises, you know, feeling good, it promises riches, and it promises comfort, it promises life, but what it delivers is absolutely the opposite. It brings death and destruction and decay. And that's all it can do. But Jesus, because he's God, can cure that. And he can change us and remake us to make us into something new. You remember earlier in this chapter, as we ended last week, this man that was paralyzed from birth and had never walked, had four friends that had cared enough about him that they said, listen, we've heard about this man named Jesus. He's back in town. Let's get you to him. He's healed other people. Maybe he'll heal you too. And you remember that he said first to this young man, your sins are forgiven you. And boy, these Pharisees, and these Pharisees have been in all three of these incidents that we've read today. And they've not liked it. They have found fault. They said, listen, God doesn't do things that way. And Jesus makes the point as he ends uh, the the last words that he said uh, here in Mark chapter 2. God, Jesus, the Son of Man, is Lord of the Sabbath. 
He said, you know what? The, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God knew, and that was one of the commandments, that you were to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why? Because God created us. And he knows that if we go, 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 and we never rest, we're going to give out. And that's so true. We see that all the time in our physical bodies, in, in our world, in our you know, car. If you run your car, you know, it eventually breaks down. Eventually needs replacing. You need to, God made us and He understood He that we need rest. That we can't go. And that's what the Sabbath was for. He said, You work on the on six days, you make sure you have a day where you rest and worship. And so that was the instruction that God made. But by the time of the New Testament, there were volumes of rules how the Jews were supposed to observe the Sabbath and how far they could walk and what they could you know, do and not do. They had made all these rules that all God did was say, keep the Sabbath, rest, and worship. And the Pharisees and those that preceded them made that rest very, very burdensome. And that's why Jesus said, All you who are labored and heavy burdened, come to me, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, your life really cannot change. And nobody else's life can really change until they recognize they need change and that they can't change themselves. I tell you, you go to bookstores and they're becoming a rarity. Um, they walk into a bookstore, there's a humongous section. It has a title over the top of it. You know what it is? Self-help. And lots of people spend tons and tons of money on self-help books trying to make them a better person, thinking that's going to be what's going to solve all their problems. And I tell you that I think that God does want us to be the best person we can be. But the best person we can be on our own is not all that great. And the things that are wrong with us, we can't fix by ourselves. If we could, we would already have done it. But here's the thing. The God of all creation and the God of all power and of all knowledge and of all love is able to change you. You don't need self-help. You need God's help. And until you realize that and until you realize and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, nothing will ever change. You see, a lot of people want to claim Jesus as Savior and say, oh, I'm saved, preacher. But then they live like the devil. 
Maybe they even show up to church occasionally. But you see, it's not going to church. It's not trying to be good. It's not doing nice things for people that get you to heaven. The way that you find Jesus Christ to be Savior is you make Him Lord of your life. You recognize that He is God and that you're not. And the only thing that you have done and I have done and that any one of us can do is make our life a mess. But God likes to take messes and turn them into messages. And only God can do that. Jesus understood what his mission was. He understood who he was. He understood in everything that he did from the beginning of Mark to the end of Mark. Mark wants us to understand this one thing. Jesus was who he said he was. He was the promised Messiah. He was indeed Lord. But once we come to that important truth and we realize that, there's another truth that we realize, and that's this. That Jesus invites us to his team. We find here in the first uh, verses that we've read, he calls a tax collector, the IRS agent. The reality is, at the beginning of time, the tax man has never been popular. But they've been necessary. And so uh, Jesus, he called fishermen, remember, earlier already in the Gospel of Mark. That was kind of, you know, odd and questionable as far as the social scene goes. But now he's gone and he's called a tax collector. Which if Jesus was trying to climb the social ladder... He had just gone down a few rungs rather than up a few rungs. And he said to Matthew, to Levi, follow me. Guess what he did? He got up and followed Jesus. And everywhere that Jesus went, Matthew was right behind him. He walked with him and learned from him. And served him to the end of his life. Gave up all that he knew and his comforts to follow Jesus. Well, those Pharisees saw that. Look at this guy. He says he's holy, but he's eaten with the unholiest of town. And Jesus said, that's exactly the point, you idiot. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those that are sick. I don't come to call the righteous. I came for sinners to call them to repentance. Well, the reality was these Pharisees that thought they were so good really weren't any better than any of those tax collectors. In fact, in a lot of ways, they were probably worse. And you see, there's a lot of people, and maybe you were this way at one point in your life, you thought you didn't need God. You thought you were pretty good by on your own. You did good stuff. You tried to be nice to people. And it's good to be nice. 
And this world certainly needs a little more kindness and love. And yet, what we really need is the love of God in our life. We need to experience that. Until we're lost, we can't be found. And so that's why that was Jesus' point. Listen, these tax collectors, at least they recognize there's something wrong (laughs) And they're listening. And Mark tells us that many of them, not all of them, but many of them believed and followed Jesus. They found life. How do we find life? We find it by repentance. Jesus invites us to join him. And how we join that team is by first repenting of our sin. A lot of people that want to come to church and be a part of church and they join the church and join the band and you know lead say do do all kinds of things and think that makes them good and right with God. It doesn't. The only thing that makes us right with God is coming to him and saying, God, you know what? I'm a sinner. And I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. And I need your power working in my life to make a change, to make me different. But then he also invites us, once we've repented, he he invites us to follow him and to join him. So he invites us to serve with him. Our repentance identifies us with him. And our identification with him, he equips us and calls us to serve Him. None of us are worthy for God to care one iota about us because all we've done on our own is slap Him in the face and spit on Him and do the exact opposite of what He's told us we should do. Because that's what sinners do. But when we recognize, you know what, yeah, I've... I don't deserve it, but God says, I don't care if you deserve it. I love you, and I love you so much. And we know the end of the story. Ultimately, Jesus is going to pay my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all the world that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's wonderful, and that's good, and a hard nugget of the gospel. But when we've repented and we've become changed, that means that we serve God rather than serving ourselves, And we serve God rather than serving the things of this world. And that changes everything. And so Mark sewed these three things together to remind us that only the Son of Man, only this man named Jesus, was the Messiah, the one that God promised would come to redeem his people. And the gospel, the good news is this, that Jesus did come. And he was who he said he was. And he can and will save you if you'll follow him, if you'll repent. And then God allows us to join him in what he's doing in this world. We don't deserve that any more than we deserve salvation. And yet God says, you know what? I'm going to use broken I'm going to use the foolishness of preaching 
to save people. I'm going to use people that I'm going to do worse in their life. I'm going to change them so that people have to recognize. Say, listen, only God could do that. Only God can clean up your life. And you're never going to get it clean until you invite Jesus to do the cleaning. And so, what a wonderful thing it is to know that God loves us and that God offers us salvation. He says, come and follow me. How we follow him is repenting, getting up and following, leaving where we're at and following him. Yeah, it will take you on a different journey than you had planned out for your life, probably. But it'll be such a better journey than anything you could have imagined. So this morning we say, you know what? Do you know Jesus is Lord today? A lot of folks that claim to know him as Savior, but really don't because he's not their Lord. Maybe Jesus' Lordship is not quite as lordship as it should be. Because if there's parts of your life where Jesus isn't Lord, he's not Lord. He's either Lord of all of your life or none of it. It doesn't mean that you're perfect in all areas of your life, but it means that Jesus has control and you've submitted every part of your life to him. Well, if you have and you recognize that truth, that's good. And that's something to celebrate. But if Jesus is our Lord, we may remember that he calls us to repentance. Even to those that know, even these Pharisees needed to repent of their sin. And praise God, eventually many of them do. Not all of them, but some of them do. Luke tells us in the book of Acts. Priests and the Pharisees, many of them became believers. But then if we've repented of our sin, and by the way, repentance isn't just a one-time deal. It's an often-time deal. But then if we've repented, then we remember that Jesus says, Lord of our life, calls us to serve him. Are we doing that? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Lord, we pause at this point of the service and we take stock. Lord, we recognize that the only way we can change and the only way we can be the man or woman that you've called us and created us to be is to join your team by repenting of our sin and serving you. And Lord, maybe you point out to us something we need to surrender to you. God, help us, we pray. Help us to be your people. Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be a people that hunger and thirst after you and after righteousness. Praise in Jesus' name.
right, let's stand together and if there's a decision you need to make, maybe you need to say, you know what, God needs to be the Lord of my life. This would be a good day to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because that's who he wants to be for you. And maybe you've made that decision and today this message is just a reminder to you, you know what, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, not you. And so you act like it and behave like it. Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you just need to, as we sing, thank the Lord for our salvation. Thank, for, thank the Lord for the privilege of being able to serve Him. So let's sing together this morning.